Was Alliance your idea? It was your idea, correct? Well, it, re- I, it was the FAA idea. Okay, so but they they were going to build four new airports, and because of legacy, we had a reputation for doing public-private partnerships, uh, and we did the one twenty-one bypass at right, Legacy, right? And we it was kind of new, yeah. and we had a team. We yeah. helped donate land, and yeah. so the council government saw our willingness to help the public sector. We had 2,500 acres in North Fort Worth. So you already had the land. We own the land. Got it. And the council of governments brought in the FAA, uh, FAA administrator, uh, uh, the man that ran the Fort yeah. Worth office, Gene Faulkner. And they came to see us. They said, look, we need to build a new airport. Would you donate land for the airport and help us? Hello and welcome to another edition of TrekCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thank you for joining us. We've got another return guest today as Ross Perot Jr. kicks off Season 3 of our Legends of Commercial Real Estate series with Cauley Partners Chairman and CEO Bill Cauley. Ross is Chairman of the Perot Group, which manages the Perot family's interests in real estate, oil and gas, and financial investments. He's also chairman of Hillwood, the Texas-based global real estate development company he founded in 1988. This is Ross's second time on TrackCast. He joined us last fall as the guest speaker of our Bank of Texas Speaker Series program entitled North Texas, Our Rise in the Global Economy, alongside Grant Moisey of the Dallas Morning News. Like all of our shows, that episode is still available for download, and you can also check it out over on our YouTube channel if you'd prefer to watch their conversation. And what a conversation we have for you today. Ross shares with us stories of his upbringing here in DFW, including the early days of his father's legacy development up in Plano and his 30-day trip around the world by helicopter. He also analyzes the state of our nation, region, and the commercial real estate industry as we navigate what we hope is the end of COVID-19 restrictions, as well as the ongoing political, economic, and social upheaval around the world. If you're new to TrackCast and finding us for the first time today, welcome and thank you for being with us. Make sure you subscribe to the show to get the latest episodes right to your mobile device, and follow us on social media and YouTube for the latest from around the Real Estate Council. I mentioned earlier that this is Season 3 of Legends of Commercial Real Estate, and trust me in saying you're going to want to go back and check out our two previous seasons. We've built up quite the back catalog of legendary guests like Craig Hall, Lucy Billingsley, Holt Lunsford, Sue Ansel, and founding Trek member Jeff Swope. I've linked to everything, our podcasts and social media handles, our YouTube channel, and previous episodes of Legends of Commercial Real Estate in the description for this episode. Before we begin, I'd like to take a moment and thank today's sponsor, the Dallas Business Journal, for its support of our Legends of Commercial Real Estate series. Check out bizjournals.com backslash Dallas for the latest breaking business news and exclusive reporting on the hottest topics fueling North Texas's growth. Sign up for their local business newsletters in the mornings and afternoons and get access to dozens of topics from their vast network of business journals publications. And for more interviews with DFW business leaders and personalities, subscribe to the weekly Texas Business Minds podcast, available wherever you download podcasts. Now, here's Ross Perot Jr., a legend of commercial real estate, right here on TrackCast. First of all, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I think people are going to so much enjoy listening to this conversation. I'd like to make this as conversational as possible, and I want to make it informative, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time. Look, 
Glad, glad to do it. Awesome. So, so welcome, welcome from the neighborhood. Thank like, you very much. I'm you. excited to be yeah. your neighbor. I hope you feel the same way about a- it absolutely. once I'm there. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, what's your general, like all this upheaval, all the discord that's going on in the world. I mean, I feel so lucky to be in Dallas. I just think like we're in the right spot at the right time. And um, what's your view of Dallas and, and its future? Well, Bill, I'm very biased. Right. And I'll admit I'm very biased. Right. But if you look around the world and you look at what's going on in the world today, there's no better place than to be in the United States. I, I totally mean, you cannot even debate where you want to live and raise a family in the United States. And within the United States, you can make a very good case just looking at the numbers. The American people basically are voting to come to Dallas-Fort Worth. I mean, this is where people are moving into. And, you know, 375 people a day are moving into our market. So... You look at Texas, you look at North Texas, you look at our future, it is amazing. And this is the best place in the world to invest right now. And I think I'll, I'll be glad to debate anybody on that point. So do you think people are moving here? Uh, you, we had talked before we started mm-hmm. about, you said it's the culture. Is, is it the taxes? Is it, is it the pro-business environment? Is it the culture? Is it all of it? What do you think? I'm seeing people moving in from all walks of life, from the very high-end hedge fund, uh, owners in LA coming in to the investment bankers out of New York to the manufacturing firms out of Illinois mm-hmm. and what's amazing taxes and regulation are big barriers and I think that starts to make them think about moving right. but what is really pushing people today is the culture Then I've had so many people say I cannot raise my children in LA I cannot raise my children in New York I can't raise them in Seattle they want a solid culture and they wanted a community like ours. And so this is a very warm, very welcoming community and a community that really, Bill, we get along. We do. I mean, you t- you're, earlier you talked about the country being divided, but there's not a lot of division in Dallas-Fort Worth. I mean, you, you just look at what we do in real estate. I mean, you know, look at all look at all the roads that we've built in the past 15, 18 billion of new roads in Dallas-Fort Worth. You, know, you look at our airport system is second to none. And so when you hear the debate about infrastructure and we need all this infrastructure, and I'm glad to have more infrastructure, Yeah. but you look at what we've done in North Texas, we did it on our own. And we worked together, big public-private partnerships, and we really have an incredible foundation. I, I don't know how long you've been in the business, but when I started in this business in the mid-80s... I was in the mid-80s. We had time. about 3 million people in North Texas. Right. And so in our career, we've added almost 5 million. Right. You know, 3 million to 8 million, as I love to joke with our team, I said, if you're in real estate and you have 5 million people and your projects don't work, you shouldn't be in You shouldn't, <laughs> you be, shouldn't in the be in the real estate I business. Mean, you should not be in the business <laughs> if you can't make it in Dallas Florida. Because people are coming here. And Bill, I hope I can get another... 20, 25 years of being active and involved in this great real estate community, we'll add another three or four million people. You know, and so what, an eight million to a 12 million, wow. I mean, it, it is, and what really makes this unique, Bill, and, and we're going to pass Chicago pretty soon. So it's going to be New York, LA, then Dallas, Fort Worth in terms of size. But Bill, New York and LA can't grow anymore. They can't. We have unlimited growth. We can grow in 360 degrees. And I don't think many people have realized Chicago can't grow anymore. They've got the lakes. But you look at what we have here. This, I mean, and I'm going to get a demographer to help me, but I bet if you run this out 100 years, this will be the largest region in the nation. 
you know, and Easily, they, because we can grow. And they used to think the fact that we had the availability of land, it was a negative. Remember when institutional people wouldn't invest here? Absolutely. And it's now too it's too easy a, to grow. Now it's a positive. Well, but, it, but it's easy for us to grow, but that's why we're affordable. Right. And that's why totally we can agree. still build. That's why we're number one in housing in the country, 58,000 new homes. It's because we can grow and we're affordable. So when you look, when you, you talk about the affordability of housing in the debate, the real question is, you want a San Francisco model or you want a Houston model? Highly restrictive zoning or no zoning? Now, I'm not in for complete no zoning. I like a little quality control. <laughs> but those are the two extremes right, that I I've agree. seen. I agree. And who's got the most affordable city? Houston. Right. Who's got the housing problems? San Francisco. So that's our debate. Dallas is in between. We have good pro-growth policies, but we also have high quality zoning policies here, which I think keeps the overall city uh, in, a, in a quality spot. You know, like Austin's white hot right now, but I, my, my, like by the point for the very reasons what you just said is my view is long term, nothing's going not much is going to be better in Dallas Fort Worth. I love Austin. Yeah, we developed in Austin. Yeah. And, and we've done well in it's Austin. It's a great city. But Austin's a baby. Yeah. It's not industrial strength. No. It's got one airport. Yeah. You look at you look at the, the connectivity in Austin where you can go versus DFW Airport. We have three major airports, DFW Love Field and Alliance. Right. And so these three airports are gonna give us huge life. Then you put in Meacham, and then you put in all the new airports we've built in the past thirty years. We rebuilt McKinney, new airport in South Fort Worth, and new airport in uh, south of Dallas than the Alliance Airport. So you have this unbelievable airport infrastructure. And we have, and I don't think many people appreciate our Council of Governments. Yes. And Michael Morris. Yes. And you look at what he's done in the public sector to plan and organize and kind of get all of us in the private sector moving in formation. That's why you've got this huge infrastructure growth then we have two new lakes northeast of town. Right. So we have, we have we're taking we're, we're challenging. We have water will always be an issue, but we're building the lakes to bring the water in. And so I think if you look at every piece of North Texas, you know we are industrial strength. Austin is beautiful. Austin's great, but you hit the hill country. Austin doesn't have unlimited growth. You go out to the west, it gets hard to build in Austin. Austin has to go east, east of thirty five, where the land is flat again. So. And, there, and there's a no-growth culture in Austin. Right, and I think the infrastructure is going to get them there too, right? I mean, well, it's, it's Oregon. Right. They had that, around no, there. There's that odd concept that if you don't build the roads, people don't come. Yeah. What happens is you don't build the roads <laughs> and people still come, so you don't have a traffic problem. You have the same but problem. But you, you look at our road system. Look, look, look at North Texas today. You've got a little bit of traffic during rush hour, but most of the time our roads are flowing. Go to an LA. You look at that traffic; oh. it rarely flows. You couldn't get me to do it. I just so, couldn't so do it. So this is where, if you live here and you work here, you can almost get a little spoiled and take it for granted. Yeah. And I hope everybody in our industry will not take it for granted. Continue to push our public officials to continue to get this infrastructure out, and let's continue to work together in these public-private partnerships to build this region. Right. I totally agree. Okay, so pandemic. The pandemic, I guess we're still in it. it kind of, it's kind of been one where in the beginning I didn't take it seriously, then I took it very seriously. 
And then I said, I'm not going to sit here and wait for the world to end. I'm going to move forward. And what I learned out of the pandemic was I think I got more balance in my life. I tend to really like to work. So so it's I'm not good at a lot of things, but I kind of feel good when I'm working and, and I like creating. And so one of the things I picked up is one, I kind of got handy around the house, which I wasn't. And two, I, I think I have more balance than I've had in mm-hmm. the past. Did you have any uh, moments or, or uh, changes in your life because of the pandemic? Anything change you? Not, not really, Bill. Yeah. I mean, we never really stopped. So if you, if you look at what we do, housing boomed. Yeah. And so our communities continue to boom. We had to continue building. to build. Industrial boomed. I mean, we are a key part of the industrial supply chain. The e-commerce supply chain. Aren't you the, you, you're the you largest need, industrial developer in the world, aren't I you? I think so, quarter to quarter. Yeah. Well, we'll do 30 million square feet this year. Wow. And so it's a fabulous industrial team. And so we couldn't stop because the e-commerce client wasn't stopping. They right. needed product. We continue to build coast to coast and throughout Europe. And so our office never really shut down. I mean, when the governor asked us to try to work from home, we had about 30 days of work from home. Yeah. But this office never shut uh, yeah. It was always open. We normally have about 300 people a day here. Yeah. We went down to about 60 and then rebuilt to 300 where we are today. So I told our team, I said, look, we're on the track. We're racing hard. This is a pit stop. Come in, Sorry. get ready, new tires, new fuel, right. put in some new oil, be ready to run. But, but I said, as soon as we're allowed on the track, we're going to be the first people on the track. Right. And so... Our travel schedule never slowed down. No, we had airplanes. Yeah. And I said, look, we've got private airplanes. That's a huge competitive advantage. Totally. So our planes flew more in 21 and 20 than they did in the non-COVID years. Mm-hmm. I mean, Todd Platt would go out in the plane and hit six and seven cities a day during COVID. And we were the first to see our clients. I said, look, as soon as our clients will see us face-to-face, right. we're going to be there. Because I wanted every client to know... If you need a building built, call Hillwood. Yeah. If you need Hillwood, if you need Todd Platt in your office, he'll yeah. be here. Yeah. I want of the 50 cities we're building in right now, I wanted every mayor to know if you need to see a Hillwood associate, we'll be in your office. Right. Whatever rules you have, we will be there. And so we were very aggressive in COVID. And we looked as a time to gain market share. And, it, and we really did gain a lot of market share and our team did a heck of a job. Okay, so speaking of how the industrial market, the way it is, I'm gonna. Um, there's been a hundred new industrial developers in, in Dallas in the last couple of years. Sure. And and I do think there's a lot of that makes a lot of sense that Dallas is thriving from an industrial market mm-hmm. because of its central location, the highway system, et cetera. But do you? I mean, are all these young developers or new developers, office developers that are now industrial developers? What do you think about their supply chain issues and their ability to deliver? And I mean, because you're, I mean, you're doing it in fifty markets or fifty. Right. So how do they compete with somebody like you? I think every every local developer's got a great advantage, and at the end of the day, all real estate it gets down to land. Right. You have to have a great location. Right. So if I were a young industrial developer starting out, your key is to find a great piece of property. Right. And in today's world, it's not obvious. It takes creativity. Right. And so if you look at the amount of brownfield redevelopment we're currently doing, 
and the number of, I mean, we, an old Packard factory in Michigan, we tore down and put in an Amazon building. Sure. We're, now, we're now developing the state fair grounds of Detroit and putting an Amazon building in. Imagine an Amazon building going into the state fair of Dallas. Right. Well, that's what we're now doing in Detroit. So very creative, politically very difficult sites. So the in, if you look at what we do at Hillwood, we develop on our own, but then we will be, we will play any position on the team. So we finance other developers, and if a developer comes in with a great project, we're glad to finance it for them, and we'll be backstage mm-hmm. where they where the world doesn't see that Hillwood's there. Financing. I didn't realize you did that. Or yeah. we will co-develop with a developer because we have our own construction company. And you'll get a young guy who goes, look, I've got a great piece of land. Will you be my financial partner? And your so we'll bring the equity. We'll bring the debt. And if he needs construction help, we can help him. So around the nation, you know, we help young developers or who didn't need help. Right. And so it is a good time to be a young developer. But I would say a lot of people are industrial now because it's, it's trendy. But, you know, for, for decades, we were not a very exciting industry. No. And we were the bond portfolio. Well, Ransom Land didn't move for 10, 15 years, sure. 20 years. Sure. I mean, so we were a very basic, boring business. Right. We're currently trendy. One day we won't be trendy. And a lot of these developers will go off and do more exciting things. Right. And the hardcore industrial players will still be here and continue to move forward. So you're in the market. If they've got good ideas, they can do well. But their supply chain is going to be hard because I think. when you look at our, I mean, we really work hard on our long-term relationships. Right. You look at all the vendors that help us build buildings. And with an internal construction company, it gives us a huge advantage. But when times are tough, you will have, we'll have some of our contractors come in and say, look, I can't make payroll. Can you pay me early? And so we pay guys early so sure. they can make payroll. Sure. And, you know, but then when you help people out when times are tough, when we need help, you get help. they take care of us. And yeah. so when we bid a job, most of our suppliers, they're right there for us because they know we're not going to go anywhere. And when the tide turns, we're still going to be there and be a client for them. So do you think it's interesting that the two hottest asset classes, multifamily and industrial, are the twoest most difficult, two most difficult zonings and or cities tend to not embrace them. I think but maybe that, that's why it's so but, valuable. But, that, but that's the challenge because right. remember, it used to be an industrial. You know, we put a million square foot on the edge of town. Yeah. You go out to the edge of town, go out to Greenfield, build the building. Yeah. But with e-commerce now, they want that million square feet. Ideally, million square feet in the middle of downtown Dallas. Right. They want to be right in the middle of the population center. Right. So now it's tough. That's where you've got to be creative with the, with the stores I mentioned before. That's when the zoning gets really difficult. And that's where you've got to have long-term relationships. You, you know this business. If, if, if we don't have credibility, you can't be a successful developer. Right. And you've got, to, you've got to really treat your cities well, treat your mayors well. And when you say you're going to do something, you've got to do it. And back to our track record, and we've got decades of performing for cities across the nation. And we go, and we have mayors now that say, look, I wouldn't do this deal for another developer, but I'll support you because you guys deliver. Well, you deliver. He knows, he we, we knows your words good, too. Right. But it's that credibility right. that, that allows us to 
continue to move forward? I mean, life's relationships. I mean, it's it's all about, you know, delivering and building relationships because people know when you say something, you mean it. Especially in this business. Totally. And especially in Dallas-Fort Worth because totally. we, we all know each other. Because it's a big city, but it's a small city. It acts small, it I is. think. Everybody knows it everybody. Is. Absolutely. Okay, so when you're not working, I know you're a pilot. I mean, what do you do for fun? Uh, I do a lot of reading. Okay. I love to read. Uh, I love to fly. Right. I, and do you still, are you, do you fly I a lot? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I fly tonight. Uh-huh. I fly tonight and I fly, I fly. Three, so like when you're going on a trip, a will you get in the front and fly? I and, I fly. I go to Austin tonight. So awesome. I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I like to fly. And so I'm, I'm flying, you know, little every week somewhere. Uh-huh. But my wife and I love to travel. Travel. And luckily we have projects around the world. Uh-huh. And so now that we're empty nesters. Sarah goes with me all the time, and so between awesome. your work and the travel, uh, that's what we like to do. And then, of course, our four children. We love spending time with them. Right. And are all your kids close? Three, three are here. No, we have, we have one in L.A., one in Austin, two here. So three in Texas. Awesome. It is great. And then we have a home in L.A., uh-huh. so we can be with our son, and we're with him probably two or three times a month. Okay, you know when they go to L.A., and most of the time they don't come back. Do you think there's a chance he'll come back? Well, he might not. Well, the taxes might drive him out, though. <laughs> I said, Hunter, I said, look, go out there, and before you hit it big, move. But, you know, <laughs> but right before you do your big deal, get out of town. And are all of them, any of them in the family business? My, old, my oldest son is with me. Got it. Yeah. And the rest are not, haven't decided yet, or are they well, no, they're, trending towards the family business? I've got business? A, a daughter who's a lawyer. Awesome. Uh, a young daughter just got married who has her master's in real estate, then a son who's a writer in Hollywood. So, and my, and my daughter's a real estate attorney, so th- there's, there's good real estate foundation with three of them. Exactly. And then a writer in Hollywood, and right. I love it. Why not, right? And, and he's, he's super. Yeah. And, but, he, but he is very well plugged into the business. And like, like any entrepreneurial business, they all grew up with it. Right. And they all know my partners. Right. And so, you know, they, it's a business they grew up in and, and understand it well. Okay, so market cycles and the government seems to be printing money and buying their own debt. I think, you know, it's just all this is going on. And, and like every, we, I, my whole life, we've been trying to bet on cycles, right? You can't bet. You, you can't, you can't. You can't guess when it's going to change, but what's your view? I mean, do you think, do you think, it seems like this up cycle has lasted longer than I ever remember since I've been in the business. And there's been a, there really wasn't much of a dip for COVID. I mean. No, not for us. For us either. I mean, for what we do. I mean, it it is, first of all, it's very difficult to predict. And Todd Platt and I will sit around and Mike Berry, we'll try to guess interest rates and we're always wrong. And then you know, we'll go through a phase where we're going to like hedge our interest rate risk. And after three or four years, I'm paying all these. Would I do that? For? I go, right. why would I do that? Every time and, I've and, ever I mean, done it, I've regretted it. And so obviously I'm just not good at that. But you know, Bill, so much money is going into this economy between the government stimulus package and then the low interest rates and the quantitative easing and then just the general government deficit. So you've got four supplies of money coming in that are not natural. Mm-hmm. And so we really have, we've kind of broken the economy from an inflation standpoint. We've generated way too much demand in the economy. That's why you see this inflation. And so I re- and so you're gonna have to raise rates and rates are gonna go up. And now what will that impact be on real estate? 
it should slow it down a little bit. We should have some headwinds. We've gone through this great boom. And if, you know, Bill, if we go back to normal, be fine. I'm fine. Me too. And I'm, I'm, if, if home building goes from 58,000 back to the 32 to 35,000, that works. We're all happy. Yeah. You know, if industrial demand is cut by half, we were happy at half. Do you think interest rates, rising interest rates, will slow down inflation? And do you see an end to, to this inflationary cycle we're in? Do you well, think they're, they're going to get the right. I'm afraid the politicians are going to have to pick their poison. Inflation or high rates. Right. And you're going to, I'm not sure there's a Volcker out there that's got the courage It'll make to go to 10 decision. to 12% right. and just break it. Right. Because if you because if you pull this money out to, this is like somebody that's been on heroin for a decade. I mean, exactly. we are completely addicted as an economy to overspending. Right. If you go cold turkey, this economy goes into deep recession, depression. Bad. Right. And I would not advocate that. Me either. But also, I don't see any political leaders with the discipline to say, I'm going to give it, I'm going to put us on a 10 year program to wean us off of federal money. I don't see that either. Me either. Because no one's got the discipline to slowly pull this money out and let us walk on our own. So I think you'll see rates go up. They'll touch inflation a little bit. Inflation comes back down. But when you raise these rates too much, the federal government is in severe financial trouble. Because of the debt, You right? can't take high interest rates. And, and all discretionary spending is going to evaporate just to cover interest expense. And so you've got serious financial problems if they raise rates too much. And so I think some politicians are going to say, let inflation run and let's just keep printing money. Just keep Which, it. Try to now, moderate Now, Nothing hurts the poor more than inflation. Totally. And what we're all supposed to do every day is help the poor. Totally. And get people on their feet and give them a better life. I think the gap's getting wider. Well, because of these policies. Right. I mean, you, what you've done is if, it's you, if you have assets, you can ride through inflation. If you don't have assets, you're in trouble. Right. So, and this is very, very crass, but a lot of politicians, you know, the People that are poor, a lot of them don't vote. Right. People that have money, they vote. Middle class votes. And right. so they might lean to that group over the people that are really poor. So, Bill, I think we're in a really difficult time as a country. And back to my earlier comment, Texas will come through it better than any other region of the country. You know, Florida could do well for a big state, but it's yeah. going to be te Texas has got much more strength than Florida. So I think Texas will come through it, but we've got to be careful. And we've got to slowly wean the money out, try to let us walk on our own, and try to get inflation under control. And maybe the, 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 what could help us, and I think you're seeing a China slowdown. Yeah, and I think the Chinese China economy slows down, that's going to put, take a lot of pressure off demand, and that can bring inflation down. So yeah. even without a U.S. government policy, that's a good point. But but you know, for thirty years, the world has been geared. Production of the world has been geared to build China. Yeah, China is pretty built. And China's getting overbuilt. They've got those ghost cities they, over they there. Have I mean, it's cities. nuts. And so the 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 asset allocation in China has been so off the mark. I think we could have too much steel, too much concrete, too much of everything because. Too much oil and gas because we're geared to China. 
So if China starts to go offline, wow, I never thought of that. that'll take inflationary pressure out of the system. And we could we could even get back, Bill, to where we're all com- worried about deflation. Wow. Because China going offline. Right. Now, though, I never thought about the China piece. Most aren't going to buy into this, but... But, but China After is obviously slowing China, down. Yes. And traveling all through China, yeah. looking at that economic miracle they've had. Yeah. And then when I look at how they're starting to slow down, yeah. a, 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 a shrinking, the Chinese demographics are terrible. I mean, China is, the one-child policy killed the Chinese demographics. Totally. So now, they're, now their population's going down. And so if that, and, if, and with Xi's policies, are kind of killing that entrepreneurial spirit that made China, mm-hmm. you can have really serious recessionary pressure in China, which might take the inflation. Settle everything price. down. That could calm us down. Okay, I'm going to ask one other question. So you probably get much better debt quotes than I do, but do you think as these interest rates rise, the lenders will maybe narrow spreads a little bit not to pass all that increase on to the to the to the user or do you think it's just going to get passed on oh if they can, if they can pass it on they'll try to pass it yeah. on but it but, yeah. it's a, it but it's a competitive market and there's at this moment you know, the banks have so much money on the balance sheet they don't know where to put it. right so at this point if you compare the banks to 2022 to 20 to 2008 these banks are have Fortress balance sheets today. They really do. They're Lots loaded with cash. The American yes. consumer is loaded with cash. Yes. That's why I think you've got, we're going to, you know, we've got enough money in the system to give us a pretty good run for a while. Uh, but at, with competitive, with competition, I think the spreads will go up a little bit, but they can't go up a whole lot. It's kind of what I As think. long as we've got demand. Now, what happens when we in the industry quit building? Then where, then where the banks place their money? Right. So right, okay. So I got, I moved to Dallas in '82 from the Midwest, and EDS was moving north. Sure. And your dad legacy. and we're uh, put legacy together. I remember we working with Marilyn Casco. If you remember sure. Marilyn Casco, mm-hmm. and John Yeaman, oh, and sure. I mean some names from the past. But what was the vision like? I mean, I know. I mean, why did he put EDS there? Was all was the land was it a land play? Did he well, think it would be what it is today? What was his? Oh his no no, it, 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 it's it's a really good story. I would and, love. I mean, and so so we were building. Do you remember the original EDS headquarters on yes. Forest Lane? Yes, and that was an old bankrupt golf course. Yes, and we bought the bank golf course out of bankruptcy. And so I'm in high I'm in middle school, high school. So every weekend I'm with my dad reviewing construction of the EDS buildings at Forest Lane. And we're, we're built, we built a data center and we built a seven-story administrative building. Right. And I'm walking that building with Dad. And I said, Dad, are we ever going to fill it up? And he goes, Ross, I don't know. You know I hope so. <laughs> he said, we're growing. I said, well, how many floors do we need right now? He goes, well, we need three. And I built four extra. And I hope we can fill it up. Well, EDS was growing so quickly, we had, the, we had it full before we opened. So Dad goes to City Hall and said, I need more zoning. And Dad, him, so he was trying to get more zoning, and the city council wouldn't give him zoning because the neighbors were complaining. And he went to City Hall himself. He said, "Look, you know, if you don't give me more zoning, I've got to keep growing. I'm going to have to leave." And the neighbors didn't want any more EDS traffic, and they said that the data centers hurt their TV reception. There's no way that's right. Because it's over there. <laughs> well, this, this is we had three, Bill. We had three channels. 
was all over the air. ABC, NBC, CBS. Uh, so, right. so dad, dad literally, funny. the city council goes, look, he said, we're not going to hurt TV reception. <laughs> Bring your television into the data center and watch television. <laughs> That's funny. Your dad said, look, we need to do it. Well, the city council didn't give him the zoning. I mean, so the reason you have legacy today is Dallas turned down the zoning. Okay, and when so you went then he, there, so then he went to, so we we started buying land in Plano, right? And Tom Luce was our attorney, right? And Tom did the zoning case, right? And Tom kept coming back to Dad saying, "Here's the zoning I have. Is that enough?" Dad goes, "No, I need more zoning." And finally, Tom goes, "Ross, how much zoning? I mean, what, what what am I supposed to do?" He said, "Look, I want as much zoning as downtown Dallas." And Tom said, "Okay." He had basically enough. He, he matched downtown Dallas up in Plano at Legacy. And Legacy today is like 100,000 feet below downtown Dallas. So dad's vision was a new downtown, downtown Plano. And the reason we went out there, number one, Dallas wouldn't let us grow. Right. But number two is he wanted, he wanted to be as close to the engineering talent as he could be. And he wanted the engineers to have a five and 10 minute commute and he told all the executives, he said, look, if you Drive. guys live in Highland Park, that's fine. Drive. But these engineers are a lot more important to me than you guys are. That's kind of what he said. <laughs> he goes, I wanted talent. And so he went up there because of that great high-tech workforce. Yeah. And you had the spouses. So you had, you had you had unbelievable talent. And that's why he started the technology, really that technology revolution for Plano when EDS went up. So Dallas didn't approve the zoning. And Dad had the vision for a new downtown. And that's why you have got legacy. But was I tell chamber groups and I tell was I mentioned talk to cities around the country. The first thing a mayor should always focus on: keep your existing clients. It's always fun to chase the new company coming in. Totally. But eighty percent of your growth is sure. going to come from your existing clients. Yeah. And so when you've got a company like EDS, leading edge, high tech that wants to grow in your city and they say no. It's crazy. That's a huge strategic mistake for Dallas. And you know, the mayor should have said, Hey Ross, we're going to figure something out. Right. We really want you, but they kind of dropped the ball. And so that, that's why we went to Plano and that's why you have legacy. That neighborhood actually undid several projects that could have gone on that site over the last 10 or 15 years. That's right. And I think now it's finally going to be residential. I think Leanne Back has bought it. it. But my point is, is that there were many, many good uses for the city that, that they, they, I think they should have allowed, but they haven't. You could have worked it out. Right. But that's, that's that's why you have a legacy. Okay. So when I first came to Dallas, Mm -hmm. uh, I worked for the Robert Bass family. Sure. I worked for the land company under uh, uh, Tom Prouty was the Mm -hmm. guy's name. And it's when you all were buying the Alliance Airport land. Right. Because we were, um, and I remember watching and and from afar as you were putting this together. So and was was Alliance your idea? It was your idea, correct? Well, it, re- I, it was the FAA idea. Okay, so but... They, they were going to build four new airports. And because of legacy, we had a reputation for doing public-private partnerships. Uh, and we did the 121 bypass at right, Legacy. Right. And we, it was kind of new. Yeah. And we had a team. We yeah. helped donate land. And yeah. so the council government saw our willingness to help the public sector. 
we had 2,500 acres in North Fort Worth. So you already had the land? We own the land. Got it. And the Council of Governments brought in the FAA, uh, FAA administrator, uh, uh, the man that ran the Fort yeah. Worth office, Gene Faulkner, and they came to see us. They said, look, we need to build a new airport. Would you donate land for the airport and help us? And I was an Air Force pilot at the time out of Carswell, out of Fort Worth. So I'm a pilot. I'm Why in the real estate that, business. Yeah. Uh, do you remember Dale Hill? Yes. So I'm buying and selling land with Dale Hill like 80, 81. Yeah, he was great. As soon as I'm out of college, I'm trading land with Dale Hill, and Dale Hill taught me the land business. And I really thought I was just going to be a land guy. Yeah. Back to land. Uh, I learned it early from the best in Dale Hill. Right. And so we had 2,500 acres, and I was a pilot, and the FA wanted to do an airport, and I thought it was a really creative idea. Did your dad agree? He didn't. He, uh, he, he. <laughs> but, but dad didn't give I'm, I'm, my father and I had a, have had an unbelievable relationship. Yeah. And my father was great because it was like, okay, if I wanted to do it, he let me do it. Yeah. Let's just say we'll do this airport. He goes, hey, so he said, why do you want an airport? Airports want noise. No one wants to be around an airport. He goes, that, that's not a good real estate use. Right. And I said, look, I, I think this is one that could, that could really work. And we, right. we thought it would be an airport with factories. And, and little did we know, no one ever heard of the internet. No one heard of Amazon. No one's heard of Facebook. I mean, all of the big clients at Alliance today, no one even heard of. So it, it was it's an airport with a lot of the new high technology companies around it. So when American went there and uh, they put their facility there, it was early on, right? Heavy maintenance was, space. Wasn't that a big deal at the time? Huge. It gave you credibility. You Not that you didn't need credibility. Well, but, but the airport wasn't even open. Right. I mean, Bob Crandall right. moved to Alliance without a runway being completed. And, and it took a huge amount of effort between Gib Lewis and Governor Clements right. and Tom Luce to knit all that together in order to make it happen. But that really, it was a half a billion dollar investment in December of 89, or, or summer of 89, that gave us the credibility. Right. And what? Build, the very first deal we did though at the Alliance Airport was our Inter our, our auto distribution center for Santa Fe Railroad. Right. So we, all that attention about building an airport, the first thing we announce is a railroad deal. <laughs> but what's the most important part of Alliance today? It's being Santa Fe. I it's totally that, it's that intermodal yard. Right. And we're doing over a million lifts a year in that yard, and they're going to two and a half million. But the, the amount of freight coming through that airport today is staggering. That's why... It's becoming one of the most active industrial hubs in the nation is because of being Santa Fe. So can you move freight on a on a train cheaper than you can on a truck or a, oh, oh or a, fractions. It's much it cheaper. So I much would cheaper. Think. Yeah. The intermodal play is cheaper and far better environmentally than long haul trucking. That's why you want the train to bring it into the region and the trucks can deliver through the region. Okay, so people have told me about you telling the story about your trip around the world. Okay, so now I heard, and I don't know if this is accurate, that you were sitting around and you heard someone was going to go do it, and you said, "Well, why don't we do it?" Is it that simple? I mean, what it, what it, made it, that? It was almost that simple. So I was reading the Dallas Morning News, <laughs> August first of nineteen eighty-two. I love this. Okay, and how old were you then? A twenty-three. All right, cool. Twenty-three. Reading the paper, and I'm, I'm in the real estate business. I'm in the oil business. Right. And you know, back then, the old days. You know, I, I go to work and there's a slip. Remember those? You used to get slips of paper on your desk. Yes. You know, little pink yeah, slips. Little pink yeah. slips. I got yeah. a pink slip. Call your dad. 
and we were in different buildings. I called him up, and he said, he said, did you read the paper? I said, yes, sir. He said, did you read about that pilot? I said, yeah. He goes, what do you think? Because Dick Smith was going to be the first man to fly a helicopter around the world. That's right. what I saw in the pilot. Yeah. He goes, what do you think? I said, I said, Dan, we need to go beat him. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a helicopter pilot. It's awesome. And, and I'd already been, I mean, I'd already gone to the Arctic Circle and back, and I was yeah. flying, and yeah. so... I'm single. Single helps on these things. Yes, they don't have to get permission. And, and I just started dating my wife at that time. And I think when I told my future father-in-law what I was doing, it was like Darwin at work. This is gonna, it'll flush this guy out and get him out of here. Uh, but from, but it, but from it, that but conversation, so, how much so time are you doing? August 1st, it? we decided to do it. Took off September 1st. 30 days. Are you kidding? We put the whole team together in 30 days. We were completed. So August... August 1st, end of September, 60 days, beginning to end. And, okay. and so as I tell the story, two-thirds of the trip was the ground team. I mean, we had incredible people all over the world that had to get permission for us to land in these different countries. And it, it was, I mean, we were extraordinarily blessed. In areas of the world we should have had bad weather, we had good weather. I mean, it was a fluke. We could get around the world in 30 days like we did. And how close were you ahead of it? I mean, on the time frame, I mean, did you? Our goal was to get around the world in 30 days. And you did it. And no one thought we could do it. Now, my wife, then girlfriend, she believed in us. Right. And so as I took off from Love Field, she gave me 30 cards. She said, open a card each day and you'll be home. How cool is that? It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really dear. So we thought of the trip because of Dick Smith. And then we executed and we passed Dick Smith within the first week of the trip. And so we were, we were the first to go around the world in a helicopter. Were you by yourself in the helicopter? No, no, Jay Coburn. Okay. Jay and I did it together. And Jay still works here at Hillwood. And so we're having our 40th anniversary Would dinner. one guy sleep while the other one's flying? Or I mean... No, we'd be awake. But you do, you do 12, 14 hours a day. And then the helicopter had an 800-mile range. So two legs a day. And we'd land, and we'd have a ground team meet us. So you'd hand the helicopter off to mechanics. Somebody'd have a room for us. We'd go in and sleep. They'd have the meals ready. And then we'd go back to the helicopter, do the planning, and take off. Wow. But the ground team was critical. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, what'd you learn doing that? Well, I learned to have big ideas. And my father loves big ideas. Yeah. And... I love spontaneity, and, and, and... It's important. My father loved to have young people around him because he wanted youth. I said, why do you want all these young people around? Because he goes, Ross, you don't know any better. He said, if you get surrounded by a bunch of old guys, if they've got too much experience, you know, they don't, they don't have the vision and the passion. You've got to get these wild ideas. Totally so my agree. father always wanted young people with crazy ideas. And I'd tell people, if you're going to see my dad, you better not talk to him about a basic deal. Right. If you go in and say, look, this is a deal and the internal rate of return is 20% and there's a return on capital, it's okay, great, you know, y'all go see do it. that. But right. if it was big, yeah. then he'd get engaged. Yeah. And so it was that big, impactful idea is what I learned. And so when you go around the world, when you think about building an airport, it's like, oh, yeah, we, we can do that. You know, in, in, our, in our, our culture is one of optimism. Right. And we really do believe if you rally the right team, we can get these very difficult projects done. No one thought we could get the American Airlines Center done. No. Everyone said the citizens of Dallas will never vote for that project. Remember how 
negative yes. it was. Yes. We lost the Cowboys. We yes. lost the Rangers. Yes. But it's like, you know, Ron Kirk? Yes. If it wasn't for Ron Kirk, Ron was a stud. that arena wouldn't be there. It totally was Ron agree. Kirk and John Ware. Yep. Those two got that arena done in Dallas, but out of 125,000 votes, we just won by 1,642. I mean, so you look at victory today, you look at that whole project, you know, 1,642 votes, less than 1%, little over 1% of the vote allowed that project to happen. If we didn't have that vote, the American Airlines Center would be in Arlington. Well, look what, yeah, it's been such a boon to the city, too. It's I huge. mean, it's just unbelievable. It, but, but remember, Don Carter had a vote in Louisville two years prior. Yes. He had landed a contract, and if the citizens of Louisville, horrible. Texas, had voted for that arena, you'd be watching basketball in Louisville. I, that would be horrible. No, but this is where, I mean, Bill, it's like, can you imagine how different our city would be? Yeah. But this is, I go, it goes back to this public-private partnership, the positive attitude we have here, and then we've got these great public leaders. I mean, you've got a Ron Kirk, and you had a John Ware, and you had a Bob Bowling. Yeah, people that who step did, up. Who did Alliance in Fort Worth. And oh, you have Eric Johnson. We've got yep. these great young leaders in this city that really have the vision for the city. I think there's a lot of people that I, I, I really have a passion and care for the city, though. I do think a lot of our peers, and, as well as politicians, they really that, do that's, care. That's why we're here. And, and the reason we've got such a great city, Bill, <clears throat> is we've got a great real estate industry. You cannot have a great city if you don't have great real estate developers. Right. Because we're, we're the ones with the dreams and the vision that risk huge amounts of money to build these projects. And there are a lot of cities, they don't have good developers. Yeah. I, or I, or the, the spirit has been, has been killed. And you don't have that attitude to take a big risk. But we still have, we still have it here. Or, or a pro-growth city attitude either, right? right? You know, at least Dallas in, in embraces growth. It's fun it's when you see someone wanting to come here. Everybody's trying to convince them to come, where a lot of cities are saying, don't come. We're working a big deal in Dallas now. Uh -huh. And our client, I was with the client today at noon, and the client just came from seeing the mayor, mm -hmm. and he's not a Dallas guy. Yeah. And he said, your mayor's unbelievable. He said, he said your mayor, and the, it, these are major clients. He said, yeah. your mayor's unbelievable. He wants us here. He's going to help us get the project done. Right. Well, they feel welcome. But th th that, just, it's that attitude, Bill. Totally. And then all this business we're taking from California now, I'd ask these major clients, I said, <clears throat> when you leave the cities, I mean, did the mayor call? I said, no. Mayor never called. I said, the governor call? I said, no, governor never called. Elon Musk, they told me to go ahead and leave. Elon, it's crazy. Elon, Elon's the, 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 the one that we all focus on. Right. But but let's go back. So back to COVID. COVID really showed a difference between the states. Big time. You had shutdown states and you had free states. Yep. And the people are leaving the shutdown states. They are. And, like, and Elon Musk is the example. And so we have all these factories from California that want to move in to Alliance. And I said, I said, and the, and, you know, it used to be you know, taxes, regulation, go through all that. I said, look, the main thing today is we never shut down. If your factory had been in Texas, you we never would have been shut down. Yep. But in California, factories were shut down for months. And so that very simple concept, it's so black and white we now lead with, you're open if you're here. 
All right. Okay, so I'm going to divert again. Bering Sea refueling. I've heard this. So you want to go back to the helicopter? Okay. Yes. Was that with the helicopter? Bear, the bearings? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that yeah, was no, really. That was off the coast. That's off the coast of Russia. So were you, tell me what happened. Something must have happened there. Well, we were, first of all, we asked the Russians to let us in. And the Russians said, no, you can't come in. We couldn't land in Russia. We didn't want to land. So the only way to go from northern Japan to the tip of the Aleutian Islands, Shimia, was you had to land at sea. And so we went to American President Lines. They had a container run that went San Francisco to Tokyo. And we said, look, can we put a helipad on the bow and land and refuel on your container ship? And they said, well, yeah, you can do that. So we had to put a helipad on the bow. We put jet fuel on the container ship. We taught the crew how to refuel a helicopter, but then neither Jay nor I had ever landed on a ship before. Right. And so we had to get a, we got a retired Coast Guard pilot to ride on the ship to teach the cat, because the captain had never landed. Right. He'd never done at sea landings. Right. So he had all these rookies and one veteran. And when we took off, we were in the, we were at the edge of Typhoon Ken. And so we should have had a headwind, but we had a tailwind. And when we found that ship, we had like a 50-foot sea and a 40-knot wind. So it wasn't perfect. <laughs> and, we, and we had only about 20 minutes of fuel left. So there, the motivation was very good to get on that ship. It's, it's the only option we had. And we came in, and we landed, and really we got very hard landing. But we're so light, we didn't do any permanent damage. And so they refueled it, but the ship... We, the ship was so rough we couldn't take on a fuel, a full fuel tank, full load of fuel, and so from the ship to Shimia, I was running the fuel calculations. We were going to miss the island by about an hour, and then literally we had a headwind, and about three hours out, the wind died, and we made it. So you Again, made it just it just the Lord took care of us, Bill. Right, that's and that's not how, you, that's not how you want to be a professional pilot. Right, but it was just. Pure good fortune wow. that we made it in. Okay, so um, is there anything you see out there that's a really good opportunity that you don't see anybody else seizing? Like well, outside real estate, inside real estate, well, to think, where you think somebody's missing it, where it's just a layup? I think a lot of us are missing. Uh, there's huge value in Fort Worth. I do think so too. I mean, I love Mike Barry and I had a I great love visit. Oh, Mike Barry and I, we were visiting on yesterday, and and I'm and I'm seeing all these corporate relocations are on the east side of town with a little bit of alliance with Schwab. But we've got good relocation alliance, but the east side is becoming really crowded. And when I go to the west side, I go, "What? Well, this is where you have value. Totally and this is agree. where you get better value for housing, schools, it built these." Large families moving into town. They want to get in a country club. Can't they, get they in. want to play golf. Yeah. You can't, I mean, you, you can't, can't get in. You can't in a country club. I agree. I mean, and we, so we probably need more high end golf here. Right. For sure. I mean, right. there's demand for high end golf. And so, and so Bob Rowling, what he's doing up in Frisco, right. I mean, that's going to be a huge home run. Totally. And Still so, seems like a long way out, but it's going to it be It is, great. but now that Four Seasons left Las Colinas, yeah. I mean, he, he, he has got the premier destination resort. Totally agree. And so Bob is in good shape with high-end golf. And so high-end golf, there's going to be a need. But you go to Fort Worth, you still have capacity. 
and you and you still have affordability and you can go to downtown Fort Worth and get great deals and so I think with you know again we know big picture how well Fort Worth's doing how fast Fort Worth is growing but I think if you want to grow and expand you go west I agree it's cheaper to go west now than Frisco Plano well, even though we develop in Frisco Plano but that place I mean, it's getting jammed the west side is the future well I mean you've got 15 office buildings going up here and you, you, you've got maybe one in Fort Worth. That's right. And like, I've been looking for sites over there where I could mm. build an office building that's not near Alliance because right. I don't want to compete with you. Right. But, but, um, cause you, I mean, you build them, they lease, then you build the next right. one. So I, I, I'm going to let you have that. Yeah. And I, there's all this other space in Fort Worth. But, um, cause I think if someone could find a good site in Fort Worth and build an office building, it would lease because... There has, just hasn't been any modern supply there other than the Frost Bank building that was built and, a couple years and ago. And go back a couple chapters in our talk. You know, Elon going to Austin. Austin is not a manufacturing town. No. Elon should put that truck factory in Fort Worth. Fort Worth is a heavy manufacturing town. Right. And I think you're going to see a strong manufacturing boom in Fort Worth as people realize the quality and the talent of the labor pool to build in Fort Worth. And so, and certainly with aviation, people know how great we are for aviation, but those aviation skills can go into automaking and you know, all the other types of manufacturing that's coming. Like the Rivian plant came close and then they, I don't know, very, they very go to close. Georgia. I just... Yeah, I, but that, they're, they're more. Yeah. They're more coming. Yeah. And but, so, but that alone showed what Fort Worth can do. So I think within our marketplace... Fort Worth is still a great value. Yeah. And I know we're, we're very focused on certainly North Fort Worth, Alliance, but yeah. you know, Mike and I, are, we're looking all over Fort Worth. Yeah. Okay, so if you got a young man, young woman wanting to get in the real estate business, any advice? First, I, I, I ask them, because a lot of young people come to see me, I said, you know, why real estate? You know, do, you, why, do you really, really love real estate? And, and, and so I, I said, what do you do? I mean, how do you spend your time? If you really love real estate, you are driving land on the weekends. You, you are working on your next deal. Right. And anybody married to a real estate developer is going to tell you, you know, my father. That's what I did during enough, COVID. Bill, every, you know, we're, we're, you know, I've got four sisters. We're going to church every Sunday after church. We know we're in his Lincoln driving the toll road, which is a two-lane blacktop road. Oh. And he was saying, okay, we're going to do this here. We're going to do this here. And I just bought this. I just bought this. And we're on the back seat saying, you know, Dad, let's go eat. But, <laughs> but, but that, that that's is funny. what a real developer does. Now, there are lots of developers. I mean, but, but, you know, I still spend my weekends driving land. I do, too. And, and I love driving land. And I love looking for the next big ideas. And so if you really, really are going to be a real estate developer, it's going to be in you. And I think it's ingrained. It's in, like this site. We wouldn't be here today if we didn't do the American Airlines Center. Mm -hmm. So every day I'm driving Turtle Creek. I'm going down. And then I'm in this site. This this site site right here. What a site this was. No, but I drove, you can ask my wife. I drove by this site a hundred times. Every time I went to a Maverick game, I go, Sarah. We got to do something on that site. We got to do something on that site. You were right. Then Penny Pritzker yeah. grabbed it. Yeah. Penny had it. 
And if it wasn't for the financial crisis, we never would have grabbed it. But as soon as Penny put it on the market, Ken Reese, you know, New yeah. Walker, he grabbed it from New, New and we put it under contract. Right. But, but you know, I looked at this site for probably 10 years. Wow. And now we have our campus here. I never knew it'd be our campus, but it's just like there's something here. It's a magic site. Well, and you Turtle did it Creek. so well. You did it. It's so well done. Team is fabulous. We had we rights for a million square feet. Yeah, I think you did. And so we did 180 and just nice and low profile. It's so awesome. Okay, so I'm taking up a lot of your time. So well, this this is fun. To do, I, so. I really enjoyed yeah. it. I I, I uh, uh, but like so when when you're done when it's like uh, yeah, I I don't expect you'll ever retire. I don't mm-hmm. think I will either. I think I'm going to work until they tell me I shouldn't. But what, like when you're uh, I'd love to have yeah. you that answer. But what is it that's important to you to have accomplished? And I and I know it's not money. I mean it's what is it that drives you? Well, you're you're. Family is always right. you know, the most important, and, right. and you know I'm blessed with a great wife and wonderful children. Yeah, your wife's awesome. two great two great son-in-laws, mm-hmm. and so it's a it's a great family and wonderful sisters, and mm-hmm. it's a big operation. Yeah, nieces, nephews, and so it's your family. But then I really I really love to build Dallas Fort Worth. Yeah, and I think I think at the end of the day, you know, when I'm gone, I hope I've added back to our community yeah. to make this a better place. And I think all of us in business today in Dallas-Fort Worth, you're part of that journey. You know, one thing I would say too, though, is I've always thought about the Pearl family as you guys have really poured into the city. You've been very generous. I think you've been a very giving family. I mean, you've created a lot of opportunities for people because you've been shrewd investors. Uh, But I also think you really, you have a passion for the city and you're very generous. I mean, you see people that, uh, the take and don't give. You're mm-hmm. you're a very giving family. So I thank you for that. Well, it, it, it's how it, it, it comes from our, my parents, and it's how we were raised, Bill. Right. And but, we watched my mom and dad, and, yeah. and my parents showed up here in 1956, and all their possessions were in the trunk of my dad's car. Right. And this city embraced my parents, and by they raised their family. He could start a business. He built EDS. And Dallas let them do that. So we owe this community a huge amount. But Bill, they're young Ross Perot's all over town. They are. They're yeah. young entrepreneurs here, starting new businesses. Yeah. And it's up to all of us to embrace them and welcome them to the area and let them grow and raise their families and build their business here. Well, it'd be great if a lot of them are, are built like you are with your faith and your family and your focus on the city. And I, I just can't tell you how much I really appreciate taking this time. People don't get access to someone like you and to have this conversation and be able to share with everybody. We really appreciate it. Well, Bill, thank you for what you do. And thanks for taking the time. to do- I like your new COVID uh, hobby. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Thanks. Might have to go back to building buildings. Though. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, Mar- I'm Mar- staying Mar- on that Mar- one. Mark is pretty good. So you, you got might not have much time for this. All right. Thanks. Good to see you. Thanks, Bill. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's all for today's show. I'd like to thank Ross Perot Jr. and Bill Cauley for kicking off Season 3 of Legends of Commercial Real Estate. I'd also like to recognize the Dallas Business Journal for sponsoring this series. You can read the latest business news and exclusives over at bizjournals.com backslash Dallas. But before you do that, make sure you subscribe to TrackCast on your favorite podcast app to get all new episodes right to your mobile device. And check us out on social media and YouTube for more from around the Real Estate Council. Again, we've put links to everything in the description for this episode.
Until next time, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.